You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hola! My name is Nathan. I'm your humble and obedient host. We've got Ben, the preacher who's a teacher of sanity, right there. Hello. How's it going, Ben? Good. Why don't you introduce the other guy very quickly? It's Jake, the pastor who's a master of sanity. Hey, what's up? Hello. The podcast is, of course, Sound of Sanity, and we will be talking about some things in the church, the church universal. The things that are happening in the broader culture of spirituality and evangelicalism and all that sort of thing today. In fact, we'll be talking about the things that our patrons told us to talk about at patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. So what's been going on this month in the church? Let's see. Josh Butler's article on the Gospel Coalition was canceled. And Josh Butler was canceled. That is true. Mm-hmm. And we were given an article called The Gospel Cancellation by Ooh. Stephen Peter. This was an article. It's probably Stephen. <laughs> it's probably pronounced Stephen. It's S-T-I-V-E-N. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's Stephen. Okay. I do you pre- pronounce <laughs> Stevia? No, you do pronounce Stevia, Stevia. <laughs> Maybe it is Stephen. I'm saying Stephen Peter. <laughs> Peter. So, Peter. Stephen Peter. The gospel <laughs> cancel Asian. Yeah, it's an article That's in great. the I'm Ari Econ Reformer. And yeah, so he starts by talking about the Gospel Coalition, how they recently announced the creation of the Keller Center for Cultural Apologetics. It's a very Keller Center. How Keller would your center be, Ben, if you started a center? Would it Zero be? percent. I do, yeah. I dare say it would be about 0%. No Kelling whatsoever. No, no. I would start the Kelliest Center. I possibly could. You would. I'd make it wow. very, I'd actually call it the Very Keller Center. The Very, ke- <laughs> the very Keller Center. <laughs> of exceedingly apologetics. So you would accommodate to the culture just short to the point of capitulation. Yeah, just short to the uh, point uh, of Tim good Keller grammar. Tim Keller said we should. Yeah. So the goal of the center is to facilitate a new missionary encounter with post-Christendom. You guys excited about the new missionary encounter with post-Christendom? No. By combining cultural critique <laughs> and theological depth. The Keller Center <laughs> Don't believe it. faced its first trial. It's going to be hard not to make this a discussion of schadenfreude. The Keller Center <laughs> faced its first trial when it released a now-deleted article promoting Josh Butler's book on Christian sexual, sexual, sexual ethics. I think we already talked about this article Did on the we? show, maybe. I don't know. It was going through know. Twitter it's, and people were talking about it's it. It's fine. It's just immodest in its language. I don't know that there's anything actually wrong in the article that was deleted, canceled. Yeah, the rhetoric sucks. That's wrong with it. But it, yeah, it, it, he uses some rather graphic sexual language to talk about the fact that Christ loves the church, basically. That's the yeah. article. Is that? Yeah, that's that's basically it. But at the end of the day, do we disagree? We disagree. Not on like, the connections that he's making. No, not, not on actually. the connections that he's making. No, I mean, we would use words like penetrate a little bit less, probably, if we were to make the same connections, just to yeah. <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it, or to put too fine a point on it, I guess. But anyway, that gives you an idea of the article. But again, as always, the backlash against it wasn't actually about anything like that. The backlash no. was just people saying that his male-centric 
theology was harmful and was propagating a bad gender dynamic and harming women and Mm -hmm. all this sort of thing. And so this article in The American Reformer by Stephen Peter says, quote, Butler's writing on the topic was admittedly painful to read, but that is not what has set the progressive mob on him. They are attacking him simply because he argues for a form of traditional gender roles within marriage. His language could be corrected so as faithfully to reflect the biblical portrait of human marriage as a reflection of the church's relationship with God that would in no way satisfy those most loudly baying for his blood. Unquote. I dare say we would agree with that assessment, probably. Yeah. Although Butler's language was awfully provocative. Yeah, it just seemed like a naive thing. Like he got really excited and he decided he could say what he wanted in a, whatever way he wanted. I mean, he wrote a book. It was well, an excerpt from his book. Yeah, that's, yes. That's being published and promoted. And the reason it was published on the Gospel Coalition is because it's part of the rollout. Yeah, but it's not being published by them anymore, right? I don't remember who it was supposed to be published by originally, but somebody, you know, with a kind of pull to get your article published at TGC. Yeah. To me, this just feels like so in line with the thing that the Gospel Coalition always does, which is to turn everything into a ham-fisted metaphor for the gospel. I'll never forget an article, I think we covered it on this very podcast, about a vending machine, where the guy was like, as I look at the vend- a vending machine, I think about how, and I don't remember, we could probably recreate it, but it was like, God gives good gifts to his children, but we have to push the button. And I mean, it, I don't know, but yeah, it was I like mean, all the mechanics of a vending machine turned that, into pointing to the gospel. That's fine. You could find precedent for the way that he's talking. And so Rod Dreher wrote an article in response that I read about the Gospel Coalition canceling Josh Butler, just giving long quotes from Chrysostom and stuff like right. this has been around, like these connections have been made. Mm, much. Yeah, right, all that stuff. It, Butler has that flavor, maybe unfortunately, because not only is was his rhetoric unfortunate, the Gospel Coalition is publishing him. Right. That makes us instantly read it like another cheap shot from them, which may not be fair in this case, but... Yeah, but it, that, that is the problem, is that they're just like, I was eating a candy bar and it reminded me of yeah. Jesus. And so he's like, I had sex and this is how sex, this is the biology of how sex works and it reminds me of Jesus. And mm-hmm. it does actually just sound like another in a long, another yeah, yeah, in the yeah, most yeah. unfortunate in a long line of at best ham-fisted, at most kind of trite and blasphemous metaphors that these guys traffic in. So mm-hmm. I don't know what else to yep. say about it. The guy, the, our friend that posted the article in Discord, we would agree with the article by the American Reformer. Yeah. Even though you guys were kind of making fun of their style of, of discourse oh, man. <laughs> before we hit record. Yeah, I, they're just contentious. Well, we've got another one from them. And... Which is much worse. Yes, yes, yes. So the, let's move on to that. So this is called... The Culture Keeps the Score by Jahun Henriette. And That's how I pronounce his name. Yeah, you could also Definitely say. John Errett. Yeah, I don't know. It can't be John Errett. <laughs> There's an H right there. So this is an article, another article in The American Reformer. And he is talking about a book called The Body Keeps the Score, which is a very popular book on trauma, which is really trendy in modern psychology. And one of the things that that book is by a guy named Vander Kolk, who talks about how the body, the the psychosomatic effects of trauma abuse Mm -hmm. on the body, that the body actually has a relationship 
to the damage done to the soul, which is not how he would frame it. And I've not read the book, but it is on a wish list of mine, and I intend to read it at some point. But he's just sort of like discovering things that David wrote about in the Psalms, right. you know, but articulating it and putting research together and talking about how childhood abuse, trauma, that sort of thing impacts development, impacts the development of the brain, impacts the just even manifests itself physically in kids and in adults and things like that. And of course, trauma is a huge lens that everybody's using now to sort of filter right. all of life. We filter all of life through trauma. And so, because it's part of the victim culture, victimhood culture that, that we just keep sliding into. But that doesn't mean that there's not a lot to Vanderkolk's research and that sort of thing. But this is an ar- article reviewing that, and that's where we got into making fun of well, yes, the American says, reformer because the text of ideas about human memory, identity, and experience that enjoy outsized cultural. It's all sort of yeah. Bad. The it's, somatic effects of abuse that exceed cognitive recall. The physical impact of abuse that goes beyond your memory. It's it's just a guy trying to convince you that he's smart very smart and academic. Very smart. And he's confusing, and it falls into that, like, I have an academic frame, so I'll talk about the truths of the Bible as though they're in question too, although really, no, I am a Christian, and we'll, we'll come back to our solid convictions, but we need to treat them in this article, in academic speak, as though they're not an entirely solid conviction, because you see, we're considering ideas together. Right, we're considering ideas, yeah, so is, I, I just hate this, I hate this stuff, hate this style of writing, it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. It's not helpful. Just say what you mean. Yeah. Yes. Anything else you guys want to say about this? It's an interesting subject. It's the upshot of the article is fine. What's that sound? <laughs> it's the devil's advocate alarm. Jake, you said the Psalms use the language of trauma? No, I didn't. I didn't say that. Jake, you said something that could be misconstrued by the <laughs> dumbest person in the world <laughs> saying the song. You're like, Mm, the urtext about human memory, identity, and experience that enjoy outside cultural influence, just like David in the Psalms. <laughs> I believe that's a direct quote and the exact tone of voice that you used. <laughs> he got me. <laughs> got it. <laughs> wow, do I feel called out and cornered. <laughs> <laughs> Man. People say they miss the devil's advocate alarm. <laughs> Well, we're about to change that. <laughs> yeah, they will not miss it after this. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. You failed. Can you just open up what you meant by that? Yeah. David, especially in his lamentations in the Psalms, connects his spiritual suffering to the physical to physical impact that it has mm-hmm. on his body. And so mm-hmm. the the Bible understands the connection between body mm-hmm. and soul and always has. And it's not a new what in the world? <laughs> Lots of this is amazing. Banging. It's like we're in a bowling alley. My <laughs> <laughs> right, folks, there's a bowling alley above us and it's causing us great trauma. But here, that's the price of working here in Top Secret Studio B, which exists under a bowling alley. Anyway, Jake, you were saying. <laughs> so, I, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that, dear listener. I hope so. <laughs> I have just right, so, 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 Let me pull up. I'm just going to. 
Sorry. Sorry, folks, I haven't gotten quite used to my new sound. Ooh, I've got bowling sound effects. There it is. <laughs> That's what I wanted. So here's an example. The first thing that I could think of, and it's not the best example of this. There are better examples of this, but I just flipped up into to Psalm 6. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Hear me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love, for in death there is no remembrance of you, and Sheol who will give you praise. I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. And... So you, and there are better examples than that of David talking about how his bones are weary. He kept his sin inside of him and he didn't confess it. And so it was like a sickness to his bones and his flesh and Mm -hmm. he got weak and couldn't eat. And he talks about this sort of thing all the time, right? Or David's on the run and being oppressed and it's impacting him physically. And all of that is... And we know the story of David's life, you know, he's like brought into Saul's house to be, and then Saul turns on him. And it's that sort of thing where guess what? The Bible's always understood that there's a connection between body and soul, and we're not simply material beings, and we're not simply spiritual beings. And these guys who are examining scientifically the connection between trauma and the way it manifests itself in our bodies are simply coming to the same conclusions that more or less were expressed in the Psalms. Right. That's all I was, Mm -hmm. all I was saying that. And so the body keeps the score is like, Hey, there's a physical impact of stress and pressure and pain and abuse and sin that when it's held in and not dealt with before God can cause sickness and pain and disease and loss of appetite and distress and all kinds of, it can have real physiological impact on you. Or as the author of this article says, somatic effects, even those that exceed cognitive recall. Yep. Got to watch out for those somatic effects that exceed cognitive recall. Yeah. And the, the author of this article, when you strip away his rhetoric, is saying about this book, hey, our culture is using the language of trauma. The church is using the languages of trauma. Is there a problem with that? Should we maybe using the word, the language of sin, to which I suppose we would say, sure. Yeah, absolutely. But it's like any other thing that we have to, that's worth paying attention to while also being careful about. Another example of this exact sort of thing would be the attachment Attachment parenting. Attachment parenting people, right? Attachment parenting was something that was actually in the scholarly literature. It's from the 70s and 80s. It's only just sort of like reaching the masses in vogue in trendy ways now. But there's, of course, truth to that because it's just about bonding, right? It's just about bonding. And, And because it prioritizes bonding over everything else, it cuts out discipline and all kinds of other things or minimizes or undercuts that sort of thing. And so there, there are problems, but you know, what's not problematic is saying, my son, give me your heart right. and emphasizing the fact that w- how we bond with our kids and whether or not we bond with our kids, whether or not we genuinely love them and they love us and we're able to create that bond and that connection 
is princi- is chief is mm-hmm. is foundational in our kids' lives in their health and happiness and well-being and how they grow up and who they're vulnerable to or not vulnerable to and what they're attracted for to in a spouse all of that it's all connected that's the body of what those people say and they've had a lot of very helpful things to say especially to people because this is the sort of thing that's natural in doesn't need to be said when you have a healthy society with healthy families right. but when you have a society where everybody's from a broken home and everybody you, you know or group in foster care or whatever then it's suddenly helpful to just say obvious basic things like it's important that you bond with your kids and that your kids bond with you and so any number of people who have been trying to figure out what's the issue and I've tried to foster kids or adopt kids and what's been the issue the fundamental issue that we've had the attachment people have been helpful because they point out the obvious thing well they never bonded to you in the early years of life and maybe never bonded to anybody and that created real problems in them and that's what you have to be focused on it's like oh okay well that's actually a helpful handle does that mean all of parenting is now attachment parenting and we should throw discipline and things like that out the window of course not it's stupid but the same kind of thing is true when you you see sort of trauma literature and stuff like that what you should know is the bible's right as it always was and the relationship between the body and the soul is complicated. And somebody who has a nervous tick, there's probably a spiritual reason behind that. And that if you can deal with the spiritual reason behind the nervous tick, maybe the nervous tick will go away. But it's symptomatic of something because the body is telling on something about the soul. And you can't always know what it is. And trauma is not the right framework for all of it. Right. But they're getting at a truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think, as you talk, I'm just realizing, I don't think I personally have the fear or disgust with popular psychological language that many Christians have. I think we should use biblical language right. first and foremost. But by and large, while I don't have much respect for psychology as a field, just as a set of signifiers, as a way of talking about things, to take another random example... Yes, we need to talk about fear of man. Yes, we need to talk about selfishness. Yes, there's all kinds of things that can go into someone. Yes, not we need li- to not reframe absolutely every problem in your life in terms of victimhood. Right. But just having a category, a shared category that we can all point to called introvert and one called extrovert to, to describe the way that certain people feel, super helpful. Mm-hmm. Super helpful. I don't want to throw that out. I think it's nice. It's or not, even the subconscious. Or the subconscious. Yeah, I mean, a lot. so much of what Freud gave us like all of Freud's ideas, crazy, stupid, no science, like just a guy that was obsessed with sex and came up with weird stuff. But the language of the subconscious, the language of, I mean, even something like an Oedipal complex, things like that, those, all that terminology, just as a way of describing certain phenomena, certain phenomena that you can observe. If you replace biblical terminology with it, bad. But if you just use it to describe things where appropriate, Really great, really helpful. I mean, the idea of the subconscious, whether it's literally true or not, it describes something and it's helpful. It's a helpful handle. I think if you can just think of these things as handles. And so I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there's a reason Jake wants to read this book because it probably has a lot of helpful handles for his pastoral work. Maybe it doesn't, maybe it does, but. Only one way to find out. Only one way to find out. And he's not going to therefore frame everything as trauma. 
he we would be somewhat suspicious of a pastor who did, if not right outright antagonistic towards one. But just having those categories out there, I don't think is so troublesome. Why I no longer use transgender pronouns and why you shouldn't either. This is an article by Rosaria Butterfield. She is repenting of using transgender pronouns. And she lists a bunch of reasons why. Well, it's good. It's a good article. The problem, of course, is that Rosaria Butterfield is like a battle babe. Yeah. Who's out there doing all the battles and writing in a, out battling the men about this issue. The men are happy to let her do it. Yep. You can hear us talk about that on a World We Made podcast where Tim talks about sending his wife to fight an abortion battle or something like that. And we had a good battle. We had a good discussion about why in fighting cultural battles, people are always tempted to weaponize women. So you can listen to Mm -hmm. us talk about that somewhere on the abortion season of the world we made. Anything else you guys want to say about this article? No. Mm -mm. All right. Somebody asked us about the Bible project. This is our final thing to deal with of today. They make animated videos with themes from the Bible. They're from their website. The Bible Project is a nonprofit, crowdfunded organization that produces 100% free Bible videos, podcasts, blogs, classes, and educational Bible resources to help make the biblical story accessible to everyone everywhere. So the standard Bible Project video, it'll be like one of those. There's probably a word for these, but I don't know what it is. It's where some the thing that the person's talking about is being drawn like on a whiteboard digitally. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be like, Moses crossed the Red Sea and they'll draw Moses and some dudes mm-hmm. and they had the plagues and then they'll draw some frogs. And I realize I just reversed the Bible story there, but that's basically what these videos are. They're little 10 minute videos. They introduce you to the themes. Uh, here's what Isaiah was dealing with. Here's the historical context. Here's the Kings. Here's Hezekiah's story. Here's roughly how the book divides out. And I guess somebody from our Discord is having these videos used in Sunday school. And so some of our Discord members were talking about how this whole thing makes them feel a little uncomfortable. And they wanted to hear what we had to say about it. I watched the Psalm 1 video that they linked to. And I'd say it's a pretty good exegesis of Psalm 1. They say they're a little long. I didn't watch anything else by these guys. I have no context. I've never heard of Tim Mackey. I've never heard of the Bible Project before. So this is my only exposure. I would say, yeah, this is like Bible study, exegesis, explanation. It's not like preaching. It has a flavor of softness to it. That's about all the specificity I can give you. It's not like saying, in the Psalm 1 thing, it's not saying you should be the godly man and not the wicked man. It's just saying... The psalm describes this, and it describes that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? <laughs> Prophetic? Uh, well, imperative. Imperative, yes. Yeah, there uh, we go. There's nothing imperative about it. One could argue it does yeah. not intend to be imperative. It depends. To, d- intends to merely be distri- descriptive. And then one could argue about whether that's useful or not. One could ar- have the same argument about many Bible commentaries or study Bibles that we use. Yeah, our friend Chris said it's like a meal where the flavor is just off. And I'm like, yeah, I could, I guess I could imagine feeling that way more and more the more I watched. But I, I don't, from this video, I have neither like a strong aversion nor an interest in watching more of them. This is really popular stuff. And 
I'm a little embarrassed that I've not done more work to actually look into these guys. Because they, ECS, this school my kids go to, use their videos all the time. Mm. I know that Tim Mackey has taken some heat for maybe being soft on hell. But I think also a lot of what I've seen has seemed to be fairly good. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a mix. I actually have watched a number of these videos not knowing that they came from this organization. Many people, I use the Bible app. And the Bible app, I was using a one of their year, their standard go through the Bible in a year studies, and it introduces every book with a video from this organization, little opening up the themes of the book. And I found them very helpful. Mostly helpful. I mean, I would comp- just big picture handles. Kind of some of the th- things that I've seen remind me of uh, Sunday school class for junior high kids that I used to sit in on from time to time taught by an elder at Trinity. Yeah, it's exactly that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I sat in, I was, I was in fact a junior high kid under that elder. I would also compare it to like the gospel code. If, if you type, if you want to learn about anything, God's sovereignty, any theological term, whatever you take, one of the best things you can do actually is as much as we dunk on them and hate them and think they're stupid. The gospel coalition is just going to have like a standard, a page that has a standard description of what God's sovereignty has meant through the ages. It's not going to be imperative. It's not going to say you must believe this. It's not going to be prophetic, but it is going to, if you're just looking for an accurate statement, if you need to ace a test, if you need to just know what this thing is, if you need to, if you just want to handle, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's actually much more useful than I would say similar resources by what's who are the sprawl people, Ligonier, uh, here or desiring God, because sometimes their imperative kind of gets in the way of just what is this? What is this? Like I don't want your interpretation. I just mm-hmm. but like I want to find the godly interpretation. I want someone to give it to me, but mm-hmm. I also just want to know in clear language what this is. And so in that way, I found these videos pretty helpful. I mean, it's just like, okay, how does the book of Isaiah divide up? What's he doing? When is he talking to Israel? When is he talking to other nations? Are there big swaths of it that we can categorize as this or that? Where does the story of Hezekiah and all that stuff fall? Just just having somebody give you that sort of thing, I found helpful. I mean, I would use the same analogy that I use for Wikipedia. I'm sure I got this from somebody smart. Maybe it's just a standard analogy. I don't know. But you can look through a smudged window as long as you know you're looking through a smudged window. If it's not mm-hmm. possible to clean or replace the window, always better to look through a clear window if you want a view of the world. But if what you've got is a smudged window, then you just have to make a decision. Is it so smudged? Is it so cracked that I can see nothing of value? Or can I take into account the fact that my window is smudged? Is smudged? Then you could ask, can I clean it? Can I replace it? Let's say you can't clean it. You can't replace it. All right. I have a window. It's smudged. How much can I see? And can I take into account? So you go to Wikipedia. I always start with Wikipedia. Anytime I'm researching anything, I don't care. I go to Wikipedia first because I can account for the fact that some of it is crap, that some of it is political, that some of it... And I even know that I might not, depending on what the topic is, be able to figure out which thing is which. But I'm just like, I'm going to take all of this with a grain of salt. It's going to be a starting place. It's going to be a way to get myself into learning about it. And, and it's going to provide other primary sources that I can follow. And so looking through that smudged window, knowing that it's a smudged window, it can actually help me begin to see the thing through the window that I want to see, even if it can't ultimately give me the perfect picture of it. And I think this, from what I've seen, which is limited, but maybe a little bit more than you guys, mm-hmm. exact same thing. Like, yeah, you might have this or that caveat, but as a starting place well, for your journey of learning. For you, 
And maybe for you as a teacher, as you're trying to get big picture handles and also learn how to communicate big picture handles in a really clean and clear, simple way. It's a separate question of whether or not these are, let's just substitute our Sunday school with mm-hmm. with these videos. Right. Yeah. So I think that's where, do would I have a problem at all with anybody that I trust in our church teaching Sunday school or whatever, looking at the Bible project and saying, oh, wow, yeah, great handles, great ideas, great way to use a visual a whiteboard or something like that to help communicate this. No, not at all. Just depending on it and showing those videos to the kids without filtering it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's irresponsible. I could see any, any one of the three of us could put this video up, put any of the videos I've seen at least up, show it, and then and talk through use it. it as a springboard for a right. great discussion. And it would be really clean and easy and, and good. Whether that's what your children's school is doing or whether that's what the Sunday school that this person in Discord mentions is doing is an entire another question. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's from, from what I've seen, as long as you use it the right way, it's probably just fine. Now, I, I don't know anything about the guy being soft on hell or anything like that. Maybe there are videos out there that these people have made that are actively misleading or bad. I have not personally encountered them. Mostly what they've done has been stuff that's just like here's a book of the bible like here's or here's a psalm or here's here are the things it's doing here here's the genre it belongs to it's like that kind of stuff kind of hard to mess up unless it's not hard to mess up like that's that's an overstatement but you know what i mean like mm-hmm. their view of hell mostly doesn't enter into it actually it's just like here's how hebrew poetry works vaguely and here's the things that david wrote this asaph wrote this these are unknown you know it's like it's just the fact. It's like Haley's Bible handbook or the old, back when they used to print out words, they had, they had versions of these kinds of things. So. Yeah. Anyway, the Bible project. We highly recommend it. We think everyone should use it. We think you can turn off your brains, not use discernment. You just simply watch that and you will be godly by the Don't end. even read the Bible. Yeah, just watch videos by <laughs> the Bible project. You failed. You failed, you big dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Epic fail. Fail. Epic fail. Thank you for listening to Sound of Sanity. You can visit our website at Patreon. Oh, we've got another article. It's an announcement that Dr. Joe Rigney, who was head of Bethlehem College, is going to NSA, New St. Andrews, to teach. That no is surprise. The, that's supposed. That's. I feel like that's been in the work for works for a decade, and I mean, a lot of good people are going to Moscow, especially mm-hmm. as Moscow grows and. Things go south in other places. Things go woke or things go broke. We had a good friend of ours also just joined the faculty of NSA, David Talcott, who was, when I was leading the college ministry, he was getting his PhD in philosophy from IU. And he was, he was the clerk pro tem for our session at the time. He was hired by King's College and has spent 
the better part of the last decade or something like that mm -hmm. out in New York and now headed to New St. Andrews as well. And so Moscow continues to accumulate, I think, really strong, great people. David's the second former member of Trinity to join faculty at NSA that I'm aware of. Huh. to Moscow, across the Iron Curtain. Coltutino would be the other one. He was cello formants in musicology or, or maybe music pedagogy, I don't know. But cello was his instrument. You can see him playing instruments in my Soul Among Lions videos. You sure can? Actually, and now he's now a music professor of some sort rather at New St. Andrews. Most famously the cellist in Your Holy Hill, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I think he plays things like bass and other instruments in, in other videos. I think he's playing bass in a more popular video, which would be You Are My Shield. Oh yeah, that's a, he's in that one too. You're right. Well, folks, if you want to add like a very minor amount of amusement to your life, like 0.6% amusement, then just every time you hear people talking, if you don't live in Moscow, Idaho, every time you hear people talking about it, imagine that you're in a Cold War thriller because it, it won't be very amusing <laughs> like at all, hardly It'd at all. It'd be 2% more amusing but it'll be than two, it otherwise would have been. Right. I mean, I remember, because we've been friendly with Moscow, there was a time where everybody was like, we've got Moscow on the phone. <laughs> and I was 0.6% amused by that kind of language because it sounded like the Cold War thriller. And I enjoy Cold War thrillers. So I think when we say people go to Moscow, we need to say that Joe Rigney defected to Moscow, <laughs> that he crossed the Iron Curtain, all that kind of stuff that that he escaped to Moscow. I don't know. Just things like that can waste 4% of your time but give you 0.6% mm -hmm. amusement. So we heard rumors from Moscow. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's great. We've got intel that's, on Moscow. I'm very amused. Yeah. I'm very amused. Very amused. I love it. I love it. Patreon, I'll tell you what else I love. Our patrons at patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. If you want to be loved by me, become one. Be part of our Discord. Tell us what to talk about. Have fun discussions. Ask spicy questions. We've got a whole thing of like just a channel of spicy questions. Things happen. Patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Until next time. Stay sane. Stay sane.